Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, so we are in day four of our Houston week. So excited to be launching our new store in Houston. And to celebrate, we are interviewing design talent from across the city. And today we have Jacob Medina here of Jacob Medina Interiors. And um, your work has been featured in Domino Magazine, the Houston Chronicle, Lux Magazine. And you started your design firm in 2016. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're happy to chat with you. Me too. I'm happy to be here. This is a good it's exciting because I I'm happy that more shops are coming into Houston. I feel like we are a little bit limited. So welcome to the city, you guys. Very thrilled to, to solve that problem for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. We'll do our best. Yeah. Come visit us. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get started, I wonder if you could just give us a little bit of background on the way you got into design and how you started your firm. Sure. So my path to interior design was a little bit more, organic or roundabout. Uh, My degree is in biology. Um, I was pre-med. I worked at a hospital for several years and was getting ready to apply to med school. And then I just felt that it wasn't right for me, right? Like it was, my parents really wanted me to be a doctor, right? You grow up and you're like, you go be a lawyer, be a doctor. And that was kind of what we were told growing up. So I was like, okay, I'll be a doctor. Um, but when I got into my early 20s and kind of really self-discovery, I knew it wasn't right for me. So I stopped that path. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, um, I need help decorating. I like your style. I just want someone that I can trust. Can you do this? And I was like, well, I've never done it before, but I'm sure that we can figure it out. Um, so that was my first gig. It was, you know, her townhome, four bedrooms, her open floor plan living room, and she we decided on an hourly rate. I had no idea what to charge. I had really no idea how to kind of do it, but I did my best in like giving her options and stuff and pulling things together, and I completed the project. And I was like, this is something that I enjoy, and I need to figure out more about this and how I could transition this into an actual business. Um, so for about a year after that, I kind of pressed pause and started doing a ton of research on programs that I needed to know. Photoshop, you know, I use Chief Architect for all my drawings, um, learning those programs, lots of things. And then just kind of started my business after that. I hope you give that friend of yours that was your first project a really good Christmas present yes. every year because <laughs> that is awesome. What yeah. a wonderful like testament to your friendship and your style that she just was like, you've never done this before and I want you to do it. Well, how did she know what your style was, Jacob? I, so I'd always decorated my own homes, right? So she'd come to my apartments or wherever I was living and I always put a lot of effort into it. And I think that it was just important to me growing up. We didn't have that level of interior design that I was seeing in Architectural Digest or El Decor. And I was always so drawn to these beautiful magazine ready rooms. And I never had that growing up. So whenever I was out on my own, 
it was a priority for me to do that, right? And so that's that's really all it was is she just said, hey, I know what your style is and I've seen what you've done with your own places. I'm sure that you can do that with my home. Let's give this a shot. Wow, that's great. Yeah, no, she's a really great friend. I actually, I just checked in with her the other day after we had the winter freeze, make sure everything was good and you know, she's perfect. So she's been amazing. Good, good. Yeah, we were, um, we're glad you're, you're okay. And everyone Thanks. is getting, starting to get back to normal, I suppose. It, it's a mess. It's yeah. getting better, but yeah, no, it was a mess. No, thank God that we're kind of moving forward. I was very fortunate. I only lost power and water for a little while. So I was trying to care for my friends who didn't have those things. One day I went and picked up a bunch of food from whoever was open and was just like, who needs fast food making deliveries today? Oh, that's great. And you were able to drive. That's wonderful, at least. Yeah. I so mean, the first day it was really icy. I didn't drive it once it started to warm up and the roads were mm -hmm. okay. I, I did get out and kind of explore who had food options open and who was working. So yeah. Big shout that's out to right. Halal guys in Houston because they saved <laughs> our yeah? lives. All right. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Good to know who's coming through. Brian. One thing I, I noticed just about your portfolio, I feel like you have a very handsome style. You know, a lot of clean lines, classic um, elements, a little funkiness thrown in there for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I wonder where that like handsomeness come from. Handsomeness comes from, and is that something you're you're consciously making choices around, or is that just something that's sort of like inherent in in what you're drawn to? Equal parts both, right? So I think that I've always had like a very clean line style. Um, I try to stick to a true aesthetic. So when I'm interviewing clients and they're interviewing me. Um, I really get into what they consider their style early on, because if someone were to want something that's out of my niche, I refer them to someone else. So I do feel like I have this kind of inherent style. And then I try to make really conscious decisions about the selections that I make and how they play together. And like you said, a little bit of funk here and there, something that's slightly unexpected. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I, have had a style it's slowly evolved over time but no matter what i feel like there is kind of a jacob medina stamp on mm -hmm. every project now it looks like you're mm -hmm. are you putting some vintage into these projects or does it just look like vintage i do try and get vintage as much as i can i think that the furniture industry is always evolving and sometimes i get bored with what we have available that's brand new and so i will look to the past um, to see what's available and I'll find something, maybe it requires a little love or some reupholstering, but I do incorporate as much vintage. When it comes to accessories, I hit all the antique shops that are in Houston, sometimes round top, and I will collect things and just hold on to them until they find uh, their purpose. What about lighting? I feel like lighting's a good yeah. vintage opportunity. Lighting is, I haven't delved into lighting too much in the vintage. I actually have a couple projects coming up mm -hmm. where I am doing that. But I feel like it's always a concern of, is it going to be Is it going to burn wired? down the house? Think, no, like, we don't want that. Wired. Yeah, okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is my concern. And I'm like, I don't know enough about that stuff and rewiring mm -hmm. the vintage lighting. Like, lamps and stuff, maybe, that are a little bit easier to, you know, move around. But, like, a a fixed yeah, something chandelier yeah. or something it does make me a little nervous so that should be on my to-do list to really educate myself and how i can start incorporating these vintage pieces 
but yeah, like my in my own home, it's really a collection of things that were 60s and 70s with a mix of new things. That I try to translate that for my clients if I have the option. Well, Karen was right. You did. You post a lot of vintage chairs and sofas on your Instagram. So I was wondering um, what, what what's with your love of chairs? I <laughs> my apartment is going to be a collection of chairs. I swear. Like I have. <laughs> chairs that I use as accents that I just sit on books and I have these chairs and I'll see something and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to buy this chair and put it in storage and maybe I'll eventually need it. I don't know, but <laughs> I just feel like they're, they're very versatile. And for me, I like to host obviously not happening right now pandemic. Um, but I like to have people over just having like a lot of random chairs gives you the flexibility for the lifestyle that I like and very, you know, party centric. Um, and I just think it's like, you can't always find a pair of chairs that are really unique that are vintage. So you see one that you love and you snatch it up and then you can figure out kind of how that can fit into a decorating project later on. Um, yes, I am chair obsessed. I imagine that I will have too many chairs to do with at some point, or I'll just switch them out because sometimes they live in my place. And then they go back to storage and then I keep rotating. <laughs> well, that must be fun to have a hey, storage uh, yeah. option where you can just be like, yeah, what do I, what, do, what am I tired of this week? Let's go check it out. Yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the always evolving lifestyle. That is the designer. I think. I agree. Well, I mean, I feel like there's so many fun ways to reimagine a chair. It's much harder to do that with like, you know, certainly there are lots of very cool sofas out there, but chair, mm. it's just like you can have so much flexibility because like an Ames chair versus mm -hmm. a Louis chair mm -hmm. versus... Like, and a chair can so... really be a moment. Yeah. Whereas a sofa, you don't exactly. always want that to be your moment, but a chair can just be real crazy yeah. and, and not overtake a room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And with yeah. sofas, I tend to do new sofas that are custom that probably have an air to or a nod to vintage style. But with that, it's like I want to make sure that the cushions are right and the height is right and everything and with sofas it's just so important to have the right depths and seat height and cushion fill and all those things that's specific to a single client in a single room that i find i'm doing custom for those things and like you said a chair is easier to bring into a room it's it's a moment it doesn't have to be so comfortable it can just look interesting or just be have this story behind it and you're like oh that's my chair that has this thing behind it, the story by designer found it in round top and doing this. And he thought it was perfect for me and brought it in. Um, but sofas comfortability is always important. So I usually do a new sofa and then vintage sprinkled in throughout. That's smart. Yeah. I do feel like you use, you, you use a lot of neutrals and I'm wondering if there's starting to be a changing sort of of the tie or changing of the guards, let's say of um, like, you know, gray tones has been so, so popular for the last mm -hmm. couple of years, probably even decade. Do you feel like that's changing a little bit or do you feel like gray is here to stay? Um, gray will always be here to stay. But I think there was a really big problem where everything was gray, blue, white, right? Um, gray needs brown. Gray needs warm toes, warm tones. So I think that gray will always be here. But I think that people are incorporating other textures and colors to complement the gray versus everything was very very cool for a long time and we are seeing a shift into more warm tones but if someone has their house painted cool gray 
they're not likely going to be, oh, well, cool gray's out of trend. So now I'm going to spend thousands of dollars to repaint. They're going to maybe switch out their drapes or pillows or things like that to start bringing more warm tones. Um, I do use a lot of neutrals, but I am, I've been really in love with color recently. I think because I've done so much neutrals, you start to like, you want that other design style. You know, you have the creativity. Now it's like, let's use it. So I have been incorporating a little bit more color into my newer projects. Um, so you'll probably see those this year in 2021 or 2022. Uh, what year is it? I don't even know. Who knows? I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, a little bit more pattern, a little bit more color. Neutrals is always going to be a very popular color palette, but I think people are spicing it up. What are you seeing as far as colors for kitchen cabinetry? Because it looks to me like you're you're branching out. Yes. So I had that purple kitchen and for, for that everyone really loves. The client loves that color. Wait, describe I, what color purple it is. It is a very pale mauve color is the way. It's not a true purple. It's that in between. I mean, we did look at like, I looked at probably 12 to 15 different purples before I found two that I really liked and then took them to the home and checked the lighting and the floors. And then we found the right one. Um, it's hard to say exactly the color because it's such a unique blend. Um, but I think people are branching out. White cabinets will always be popular, but I think that people are looking to find something a little bit more new. I know there was a big moment where blue and white will always be classic. And then everyone was really into emeralds for a while. I think that color was very trendy and it's already gone. Thank God. Um, but I think people are looking for these, paler shades of a color that's not so saturated that way it feels unique but timeless and i think that people are really into lots of textural things right now things that feel organic um, because it's like neutral plus they can shift past that neutral into something that's a little bit different so i think people are using those those paler colors of shades of greens, purples, anything. I saw a kitchen that had mustard yellow cabinets and I was like, yes, this is interesting. This is what we are needing to see something that just feels a little bit more unique in the personality and lots of wood tones. Wood tones are all the woods for cabinets are back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about more about that purple kitchen because it was very, it was very small. Mm -hmm. And I was curious if you have any suggestions for, um, you know, sort of working on your layout when you have a small space. Yeah. It's important to really have a thoughtful cabinet plan. That is always the first thing for me is having a cabinet plan. And that home that I did, the client is an organizer. So I said, here's the cabinet plan that she needed. And she was able to tweak that a little bit to make room for hidden accessories like you know pot pull like i don't even know how you call it i guess a pull out where all the pots would sit and spice racks that are maybe a little bit more accessible than some of just the standard ones things like that in a small space i typically recommend as many drawers as you can i always recommend more drawers over doors because i find that they are just a little bit easier to organize when you're stacking pots and pans, there might be just one or two versus in a door you have 10 and there's always the shuffling. 
Um, so I usually recommend squeezing in as many drawers as you can into a small space and then really just having a thoughtful plan to figure out what accessories you need for those cabinets to maximize you mean like storage, like organizing accessories. Organize, exactly. Organizing accessories. Yeah. Not decorative accessories. Um, organizing accessories to make sure that you have the maximum use of every space. Like where's your spice is going to go? Where's your knife exactly. block? If it's in the drawer where you're, yeah. Like have you know, write down what is going in each mm-hmm. drawer pre-plan so that you don't go to move into your cat kitchen and you're like, Oh wait, there's I don't nowhere have to put the oatmeal. 12 <laughs> yeah. I recommend doing like a quick inventory of all of your small appliances. You know, if you're going to have a mixing, you know, a freestanding mixer or any of those, a little oven that you're going to have. A I convection oven. Or toaster oven. oven. Yes. There mm-hmm. we go. I'm not no. the biggest cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just taking inventory and the sizes so that way when you're playing it out, you can say, okay, Convection oven goes here. Here's my freestanding mixer. Here are those things. So when it comes time to using them, you know where they are. And I think that people are kind of getting away from the triangle that was always taught. Have the triangle of this, you know, this has to go here to make the perfect flow. That is important, but I think it's more just laid out in a way that is accessible and makes sense, but maybe just a different orientation. Okay. Well, that's good to know that you don't have to be so, you know, I feel like people always talk about that triangle as being the most crucial, you know, part of your plan. So that's kind of good that you can, you might be able to veer a little bit from that as long as you're thoughtful. Like in one kitchen that we did, it was very, um, it was very long and kind of narrow. So the fridge was farther away than what I would have liked than the sink and the oven. So we put like our, a secondary prep sink in the island. Right. And so that frees up a lot of space because then it's it goes from fridge to island for prepping and then to the other side for cooking and then to the dishes. And then the garbage was placed, you know, just to the other side of one side. You had garbage near the oven and the other was the dishwasher. So that kind of it was a very linear layout and it was more of a two triangle layout, but it just really benefited that specific kitchen. So we broke the specific triangle, added added in an extra prep sink, and then now the whole layout was much more effective. Things like that. That's really smart, yeah. Um, One thing I did notice is that you had a couple bathrooms in your portfolio. And this was just, I was thinking of this recently because a friend of mine was asking me um, what, like what to do. She was trying to plan her bathroom and what's like happening with tile. And I was curious what your thoughts are because there were a few um, fun tile options in your, in your bathrooms. I think that selecting something timeless, like in one, I mean, porcelain is always going to be one of the better options for bathrooms versus a natural material. Just that's my opinion, less option to stay in lower maintenance. So I tend to recommend clients that find something that's going to be a little bit more timeless when it comes to tile and then incorporating either a, like a decorative trim that's inset into the tile pattern just things like that, a little bit more color. So I know I used a really pretty blue tile in one of the projects. That's the one I was we, thinking of, yeah. Yeah, because we didn't just want it to be an all-white bathroom. So we did almost like a, a chair rail along the lower wall of in blue. And then we did white tile above that. So kind of like that air to like wainscoting being 
uh, maybe a blue or a navy on bottom and then white on top. And it was like, okay, let's incorporate this into the bathroom because it makes sense. It adds an extra layer of color and texture so the space doesn't feel boring, even though it is on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. So I think just doing Yeah, I mentioned like- to her... I, I mentioned to her that color was coming in really strong with tile, and she was so like, scary. <laughs> gave me that, you know, wide-eyed emoji look. I like, mean, no I mean, way. <laughs> Flashes of, like, 50s pink kitchen bathrooms, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I've seen a lot of that, and I think that even in bathrooms or kitchens, sometimes bathrooms' tile is harder to change out. But, like, in a kitchen, a backsplash can be easy to change out. So you can keep your kitchen fairly neutral and then have a really bold color backsplash. And then if you're tired of it in six years, you don't have to change the whole thing. You can just change the tile. It still works, but it's not redoing your entire kitchen. Um, but here's my question. I think. I mean, yeah. and I'm and I'm not advocating for like everyone redoing I their am. bathroom every ten years. I but am. They get tired. <laughs> so they get yucky. Redo that. <laughs> but here's the thing. Do you think that it's really possible, like? If you went into a hundred kitchens that were remodeled in 2000 or, you know, 1990 or even 2010, do you think that you would still walk into them today and say, I don't need to do a thing? Like, I just don't think that there is perfect timeless bathroom except. There is no. Yeah, I know. That's what what I'm saying. And I I feel like there's like maybe a little more like a wiggle room. I think people get very obsessed about hard surfaces and like oh what's going to be good for resale or what's going to be you know not going to go out of style or what am i not going to get sick of and by the time it goes out of style it's time to change you know what i mean it's just going to be time anyway just fall in love with something the resale that you're saying is such a common question with my clients such a common question well what about resale how long are you going to live in this house i don't know (laughs) eight to ten years it doesn't matter design your home for you in 10 years, all this will change, right? And I think the easiest thing, and it's always the men slash husbands, not always, a lot of times, they don't understand why you have to change things every 10 years. It's not that you have to. And what I usually say is, are you still wearing your jeans from 1995? And they're like, no. Then why are you (laughs) keeping your kitchen from 1995? Like the styles change, things change, materials evolve and- And and break down and wear out. Yeah, like, same thing, right? You probably, okay. if jeans were made in 1995, they're probably not still good, not always, where you can wear them in 2021. So sometimes you just got to, you know, bite the bullet, m- update things and, you know, move on. And you're going to want to, and that's fun. Like, that's a fun yeah. thing to do. But I think cabinet styles, you know, cabinet fronts. In the 1990s, everything was... That uh, arch... That, the very large shaker with the big interior bead and the, you know, the insets and stuff. And we don't see that as much anymore. That style has kind of transitioned. The shaker style is very popular for a while. And that will always be classic. People are even moving away from that just because they're tired of seeing it. They're going to a very, very trim bead or a shaker light that is extremely trim, like a half inch just for that cleaner look. And we're even seeing this in homes that are, traditional not just contemporary homes um well and here's my here's my last complaint about bathrooms okay i just have to give my, oh, my soapbox one more time okay the person who redid her, our bathroom before we bought our house she made very timeless choices right like classic subway tile marble white cabinetry but here's what she didn't do 
She didn't make it functional. Yeah, there's no storage. It's not functional. There's nowhere to put anything. There's nowhere to put towels. And so every single time I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, I just want to rip this thing out because I, I don't have anywhere to put anything. And how practical is that? You know what I mean? So I feel like people all agonize over tile choices and colors and really yeah. like if you would just make it super functional, over function. it would probably yeah. last a lot longer. I don't know. Okay. If, if you had marble stuff in, in gray, you know, cabinets and then everything was laid out yeah you'll probably keep that a little bit longer than if you had a pink vanity right in, in a few years you probably might get tired of pink but the neutral colors last a little bit longer um but i think even still the biggest thing with that is you might get tired of your faucets because that changes faster than than the, the classic subways the marble tiles the grays versus whites versus browns um, your your kitchen faucet or your bathroom faucet or your shower head or your tub filler, those change faster than the colors do. So that might be something they would want to switch out. Yeah, and it's like getting a new handbag. You can just update that one thing and suddenly your whole outfit yeah. feels more up to date. You don't right. have to redo the whole thing every time. Yeah. yeah. All right, I have a little detail I wanted to ask you about, which I, I don't notice a lot in designers' portfolios, which is front door colors. So on quite a few of your portfolio um, homes that you feature, you show the front door color, and then it coordinates with the interior of the home. Is that something that you often do? It's, it's very specific to the project, right? So I know one of my projects has like this coral color front door and we did these buttercream shutters, right? Because we wanted, she wanted this very feminine, you know, mid mod kind of home. And I was like, okay, perfect. A really fun door color that exactly transitions into the home. That's a great way to set the tone for the rest of the, the home, right? So you walk up to the home, you see this door, you can probably expect what the rest of the home will look like. I think it is a good way. And I think that a lot of people use the blues and reds when they're using colors a lot, but I don't, I think it's okay to have a splash or a pop of a brighter color just for fun. And then especially if your home is going to be fairly neutral with lots of colorful art and your exterior home is mostly neutral with a pop of color in the front door, it just all kind of flows together. But there are lots of homes where I use, you know, standard blacks or woods. Um, I think it just really is the tone of the client and the tone of the interior that kind of drives those color selections. But I think it's fun. Do, do you, if a client doesn't bring up the door, are you like, hey, let's talk about your front door? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of times where I'm like, um, I don't see any front doors that I like. Can we do one that's custom? Can we, can we shake this up a little bit? Can we find something that's a little bit different? Um, and usually they are receptive because if you're doing a custom home or you're renovating your home, changing that front door makes a huge difference. I hadn't really thought about it like that. I like yeah, it. I hadn't either. And I feel like I it's not a super it. expensive change, you know? I mean, considering when you're doing your whole house um, and, and when you consider that as sort of the window to it, Here's like an encapsulated vision of what's going to be inside. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's a good, a good easy way to change that facade of the front and just really make it personalized to yourself. What color is your front door? Black. 
mine. <laughs> yeah. I live um, I live in a condo, so mine is that there's tons of natural wood that's almost this birchy color. Mm-hmm. Um, that's throughout my my apartment, and the front door is the same. Okay. So the outside is like a birch, and then the inside is like a white color, so it fades into the walls. My apartment is only 750 square feet, so keeping things light on the walls is just perfect because then it doesn't feel as encapsulated and adding extra layers of colors and things. Um, you mentioned in one of your, your projects on your site that the homeowners had two very kind of opposing styles and you had to mix those together. And it sort of had, it, it was like Scandinavian and mid-century modern. And I, um, it sort of got me thinking about mixing like his and hers or two couples or two individuals styles together and how, um, you know, cause a lot of our listeners, they're the ones sort of driving the style and the purchasing and the, the style choices. Yeah. It's the process, but I feel like it's important. We all, for everyone to sort of consider the other members of the house. So I'm curious how you can do that and, and blend styles together in a way that both people are pleased with the overall outcome designers are part marriage counselors i feel (laughs) (laughs) like we we have to settle so many debates on styles i think it becomes second nature for me the biggest thing to blending that is making sure that both people feel heard and understood because For me, my style is if someone wanted a mid-century modern home, I probably would have naturally incorporated some, maybe a little Art Deco, some stuff, you know, it's a little bit more from the 70s or 80s, maybe a little Scandinavian. I wouldn't have just put a whole selection of stuff from the 50s and 60s because then it would feel like a period piece and I don't want it to look like we've walked into this time capsule. I think that that doesn't feel... That doesn't feel timeless. That feels very selective to one era. So I think that it's important to mix things from multiple styles and eras as long as they are in that kind of contemporary or modern aesthetic. So me blending those styles would have been very natural. In that specific project, it was the color palettes of some people wanted specifically whites and like woods. And then the other person wanted more of that colors and things Um, and so that's how I was able to mix. I brought in all the pieces of furniture that were within the two styles that I felt was a good mix. And then I started bringing in a little bit more art that had some funk to it and pillows. And, and it, that was how I was able to get them to agree on the final design. Yeah. And I think that just making sure they both felt like I saw the vision and the life that they wanted it, you know, how they wanted their life to live in the home um they were a lot more receptive to my suggestions and in their living room i'm looking at it now um there's a very large piece of art sort of a series of squares squares color blocks and it's not centered over the sofa it's sort of like down the wall over a console maybe and and you have another small piece of art that looks like it's maybe a little easel behind a uh, side table again not not where one would generally think you know what i'm going to place a piece of art here talk a little bit about how you use art and and think outside the box with its placement yeah um i can't remember who said it there's a quote and it it reads like 
people need art in their life, not Bed Bath & Beyond art. They need funky art. And I love that quote. And I think that that also can translate into like placement of art and how it's used in a space. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a perfect reflection of the room or color palette. It can be a little bit more funkier. And I just feel like my art is driven by the layout of the space. And that particular room, it didn't feel like it needed to be there. I think there was a doorway um, on the side of the sofa, so it couldn't be centered. And they were also very concerned about, well, it's not going to be centered in the room. I'm like, it doesn't really matter. When you're in the space, you still get this bold piece of artwork that creates interest, but it doesn't necessarily have to be of the exact focal point on the sofa. And I think we talked about it's a moment or a vignette. And when you're in the space, the art being off-centered and just kind of specific to that room, it helps to create those vignettes. So you get that like glimpse of the sofa with the console and the art and the light. That's like a perfect vignette in that room. And I think that's just really how it just creates a little bit more interest. It doesn't have to be a little like this. There doesn't have to be the formula of sofa art centered over sofa two lamps. It can be a little bit funkier. Well, that room too is also, it is very symmetrical. Just the layout mm-hmm. of the room, you know, the furniture layout is very symmetrical. So I felt like the, the asymmetry of the painting like helps it not feel like you said. So. Yeah, and I think in that room was a very odd shape. Like on one end, it was longer than the other. So I didn't want there to be too much asymmetry. So I felt like keeping the furniture asymmetric or symmetrical and very even tricked the eye into not realizing that there was like an extra four feet on one side of the living room. <laughs> um, that's, uh-huh. that, that was my biggest thing. I was like, okay, this living room, when you live in it, like it feels weird and if you did a sectional on one side, it would feel very heavy. And then one side would feel very light. And so like, okay, mm-hmm. symmetry, you know, get those sofas facing each other to kind of create like a little, you know, rectangle block. And then we'll do other fun stuff on the extra, in the extra room. And you actually put two coffee tables in there. Why did you do that instead of one big coffee table? Lifestyle. So they have children. Um, mm-hmm. They find that things have to get moved around for toys. And so it was important for me to think about how they would live in that space. If I had one really large coffee table and I had pushed those sofas a little bit more like closer together, it would have changed dramatically the function of that living room. So two very light coffee tables that could not be broken by little children, you know, hitting their heads on them or something, um, that can be moved around, just really elevated the way the living room the function of it. So I found two matching that were great for the project and I kind of stuck those in there. Mm-hmm. And you can walk through the room too. Yeah, exactly. Since there's no table in the center, which also is nice. To get when to they're ch- yeah, when they're chasing their, you know, three-year-old around, <laughs> having that little walkway, you know, creates like a good space and they can, you know, maybe move the, the coffee tables off to one side and then there's a central space and the kid to play. And then if they have people over, because, you know, he was a partner in a law firm. So pre-pandemic, they were often having little parties and stuff. So there need to be enough seating for eight to 10 people in that function. Um, but then also when everyone is gone, they had to have enough space for the kiddos to play. 
Well, okay. So let's talk about color. So could you did talk about how you like neutrals, but you're really kind of leaning more into color right now. What colors are you loving? It looks like you have a lot of blue in your portfolio, but are there other things that are kind of on your radar you're in love with? Yeah. So blue is in, in most people's eyes a neutral. It's just such a, you know, everyone loves it. Um, I do use a lot of blue and I'm kind of, this sounds terrible. I'm tired of blue <laughs> and everyone loves it. And they're always like, can we have a blue this? And I'm like, can we have a different color? Can we try this? And and sometimes it takes a little back and forth. And there's always a compromise between, you know, the clients and myself to make everyone happy. But I am really into warmer tones. Like I just picked out a color and it's a tan, right? And I just love the idea of this living room being very warm and then using white linen drapes over that very, very pale tan paint color for the wall to create a layer. And then we could have other colors in the sofas, some grays, some taupes, just to create, it's neutral, but it's warm neutral, I guess. Um, so that's a color that I've been looking to. But as far as like true colors, I love mustard yellow. I have been trying to incorporate some mustard yellow into larger pieces. Um, rusty colors, terracotta colors, I think that are just, they aren't as used as often. Um, so I think those are some really great colors to start incorporating. And just, I think a little bit more pattern. I, I keep seeing florals coming in a little bit. And I think when they're used in a very contemporary and modern space, and done very minimally a floral pattern can just be that piece that is kind of the funky piece that has a little bit of interest that you wouldn't have expected are um, you thinking small scale florals or really oversized florals uh, kind of so I, things, I think if it's going to be in in a minimalist setting something a little bit more contemporary i think that a small scale floral print that's the right color um, it doesn't have to be, you know, almost chinoiserie or something that's like a pale blue with a bright pink floral. It can be almost a tone-on-tone -tone print, um, but smaller scale can just kind of give that funkiness and interest. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've never used a floral before. I've never even inspected <laughs> for anything, but I just keep seeing these really nice fabrics coming out. And I'm like, okay, I'm pinning this on my wall. I have a wall <laughs> in my office that is like, fabrics that i want to use but don't know where they're going and i have like a couple florals um pinned up there you're getting crazy so, jacob yeah yeah stretch stretcher yeah your design wings i've been floral for you know small print floral for a a chair in a very modern very clean line space has been interesting to me i just had this dream and there was a room that had like plaid drapes you know paired with some very sculptural pieces that were in a, a room and i was like okay now i have to who's gonna let me do plaid drapes <laughs> i'm like how do i incorporate plaid drapes into one project and then floral for a chair for another because i feel like these are good ideas and i need just someone who's gonna let me you know break that neutral color palette a little bit mm -hmm. but hey plaids and florals look great together they do. it's like yeah. that that angular you know very linear with the organic yeah. yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing a lot is people are kind of extending their comfort zones just a little bit and being a little bit more brave um, with the color choices and patterns. But I think that styles come back in what, in the 70s, there was 
lots of patterns and colors and then it kind of went away for a long time and now it's kind of come back in style are you um, mixing so like, any of those mustards or terracottas with any kind of pinks or blues or or is, are you going straight on like earthy dirt colors no i like to do i like to mix warms and cool tones mm -hmm. um i just backed a rusty satay for a project and the room is going to be it's very colorful it's like the walls this pale pale hazel and there's this rusty satay and then the, the sofa is actually going to be navy what then color the, is you know, hazel really like a gray brown um, like, kind of like, like green like no like almost like a green yeah green brown a little bit of like blue green okay like a hazel eye yeah okay, okay. yeah like a very pale <laughs> warm blue green sounds pretty um, so yeah so i just thought it would be interesting to have a little bit more color but then keep things simple and then bring in lots of wood tones and stuff to kind of soften all those bright colors down yeah um yes definitely mix cools and warms i don't think that everything has to be all warm or all cool i think that you can mix and match yeah i just put together a list of like my favorite 12 paint colors because i keep getting a lot of questions about um like on my instagram about the colors that I choose. Um, I don't think it's fair to my clients to give out those selections because they have paid me and invested their money and my time to select them for them. So I, I felt bad for always telling people, sorry, I'm not giving this out. Um, so then I decided to put together a brief list of my favorite colors. And maybe the question they, you know, maybe the color they'd ask is in there, maybe it's not. Um, so I'm going to email that blast out to my, in my newsletter. Um, and there's terracotta in there. There's some charcoal-y blues. There's some good grays. And I think that when I look at that color palette, it is a good mix of warms and cool tones. And it mixes very mm -hmm. well. Well, you have that great article on your blog about your favorite whites. I think it's just whites. And you say, okay, when I use it for the wall, then I like to use this color for the trim and this color for the ceiling. It was very helpful primer for anyone who's struggling with your white selections. Get in there and read that on this blog because it was – you had – Four or five choices. The most important line in that blog post is you have to test your samples. Yes. <laughs> even if you see it, even if you ask your favorite designer what colors on the walls and they say white dove, do not just paint white dove up there without yeah. testing it. That does the not white, mean it's going the, good. Yeah. So I'm actually going to follow that up. So after I send out my little list of paint colors, I have another blog written, which is the my quick process and tips on how I select a paint color, right? I think it's, I think I briefly spoke about it in the, my favorite white paint colors. And I'm just going to delve in a little bit deeper for that. Cause I feel like there are a lot of people who just struggle with paint colors. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So if I can kind of help them a little bit, then I will do that. Possible to pick paint colors from afar. No. Like <sighs> virtually. I have to, what am I going to do? Here's my problem. Let's talk about me. My son, he's in college. He's moving yeah, into a right. house, right? Because this is all about me. I'm sorry. No, but like I, this has to be pretty typical. Like he's moving into a house. for He's going to be there two years for college, and they're going to paint you know, his area, and I have to give him a paint color. It's this gorgeous old home in New Orleans. I've got no idea what the light is like in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I know which way his windows face. i got to give him a color. Right <laughs> now, look. Do you have like 20. a general? It's not going to be the end of the world if it's gross. 
Yeah. But, but I do have to visit. Yeah, you're right. When I'm there, I want to really like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how much do you trust your son? Can you give him like four colors as a starting point and then he can kind of select the best option? Well, yeah, probably actually. I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, okay, here's your starting paint color list. Let's work from this and then we can go. Um, the only time I, I really feel- select from afar is when I'm doing like an e-design and I select all the materials and then I ship them all the materials so they see what they look like and then I'll select a paint color. But like via like someone's like, can you FaceTime me and help me select a paint color? I'm like, that's that's so troubling. I just yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So tips for you. If you know the direction of his windows, that's great. Cause north we all know that north facing light does this weird thing in a home. Right. Every light can be okay. North light is just its own little creature. Um, but if you know that and then maybe you can really get him to like give you good options on what those hard surfaces look like and good clear pictures, then maybe it will help you to, you know, put all the pictures together in like a Photoshop or, you know, a little board and you can kind of see and then maybe go that way. All right. I'll try it. Um, okay. Karen, have you yeah. heard of samplies? What is that? Have either of you ever heard of samplies? Okay. Uh-uh. A friend mentioned this to me as to whether I'd ever tried it, which I hadn't, but it's pretty clever. Um, they will ship you like, decals of paint colors and it's made with i guess real paint mm-hmm. um and so maybe okay because here's the thing if you're going to say send jacob to the paint store to get like okay get white dove and you know simply white or whatever mm-hmm. he's gonna and like paint it on your wall i feel like that's a recipe to, for disaster well he did work but, like doing construction last summer so he's i feel like he can handle it okay okay all right well these are just little stick-on things, and mm-hmm. you can just ship them to have, him, and you can stick them on his wall. I've worked with a company that did that, like, two or three years ago when I was doing my basement, and I got the decal. Okay. You know, they have a very limited palette, usually, these companies, you know? Right. So they got, like, four blues or something, and you can put them up. And I thought, oh. This has, like, Benjamin Moore. Like, oh, Sherwin interesting. So they have, it's not their brand of paint. Yes. Oh. It's like, yeah. Anyway, I've never tried it, but... So those little sheets, I use something similar. Um, I do have like a, a ton of actual paints that I will sometimes paint on the mm-hmm. wall. But I find, and I recommend most people do paints, but I have access, like said, these little sheets. And they're 8 by 11. They're like when you go to Sherwin Williams, they have like the small chip. Yep. They are a larger version of nice. that. And so primarily that's what I use when I go to a client's house. I keep in stock like 150 different colors. And then if I need to add more, I will get them. And I take them to client's house and I tape them up in a couple areas. That way I can kind of see what it looks like. Smart. Um, Yeah. But if they do, I usually don't recommend if he is going to actually get real paint, I don't recommend painting it on the wall. Okay. Um, I used to recommend that in the past, but I have changed. I recommend getting a piece of white Bristol paper, Mm -hmm. which is just like an art paper that you would draw on. Mm -hmm. It has a bit of a texture to it. It is a nice pure white. And then you do a like a two-inch border or an inch border around that and just paint a square. You want to keep that all the way down to you want to paint that down to one bottom of an edge and then keep a border around the rest, if that even makes it sense does. to you. So three mm-hmm. sides of white um, that, and then a rectangle in the middle of paint that goes to the bottom. That exactly, because a lot of times people take four or five colors and they paint them right on top of each other. Well, those colors are now reflecting your eye is not differentiating each color individually. And then it's playing with the color that's going to be on the wall behind it. So keeping that white border 
allows you to see the color in its pure form. And then having one edge that's painted all the way through, you can hold that up to like a hard surface, like a countertop, a cabinet, or a tile. So you can, you have one edge mm -hmm. that you can clearly see the color mm -hmm. together. And then you have the white border around that lets you see the color in its pure Mark. form. And then he can just tack those up with little thumbtacks on the wall, and then he can really see what the colors look like. Great tip, yeah, Jacob. Smart. Thank you. His name is no Jacob problem. as well. Okay. I was going to say, mm -hmm. and he's Jacob. Two Jacobs. It's a it good is. name. I it's like a good it. name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's time for us to do a decorating dilemma. Okay, this is from Elise, and she says, Hi, ladies. I discovered the podcast a few months ago and absolutely love listening on my walks. I've always been passionate about interior design and recently have taken some short courses and want to practice in my own home. I live with my boyfriend in a row home in the city. It's about 12 years old, three levels, long and semi-narrow. When you come in the front door, you immediately go upstairs to the main living area, which is multi-purpose. I work from home at the desk in the corner. It's where we watch TV, gar gather with friends, eat meals, and cook. It's the heart of our home, and I need advice on how to break up the room into distinct areas while tying it all together with one cohesive design. I'm going for a contemporary slash a little modern. The caveat is that this isn't our forever home, so I want to make updates without doing a complete remodel. If I did, the kitchen cabinets and countertops would be first to go. I'm planning on painting, buying a new rug, coffee table, and a smaller kitchen table that is either round or square to go on the far end and opposite the couch. Here are my questions. There are windows on either end, but in general, it doesn't get much light. So if I paint it, should I go white? If so, do you have a favorite white paint you use? Look at that. Um, how do I decorate the wall that juts out in the center once I get rid of the long table? It's currently navy blue, but I would paint it to match the rest of the walls. Do I need another rug? And is my desk in the right place? I'm willing to move my workspace. Any suggestions you have are welcome. Thanks so much, Elise. All right. Do you mind if I describe this space real quickly before you jump in there, Jacob? All right. So it's, main, or so it's her main level that she wants to talk about. And it is a joint space. It's a living room, then dining room, then kitchen. Um, when, you, when you enter the space, like say you're walking up the stairs, you dump out. You're looking straight ahead into her desk, which is tucked behind the sectional sofa. So the sectional sofa then makes an L, and her desk is behind that, facing the wall. There's a window to her left. There's a, a large rug under that sectional, um, the television across from the sectional, and then you go into the center space that has, there are no more rugs then in the, in the area, in the whole room. Uh, and they go into a center area where she has two, is it, oh, you know what? I always thought this was two tables, but one is the bar. So, so there's one is the, mm -hmm. one's the an island. island that faces into the kitchen with bar stools. And then a long rectangular uh, table with bench seating on either side. Um, uh, this is just parallel to the island. And that's kind of it. But it looks great. I mean, she's got a great start, I think. Don't you think? She does have a good start. Elise, I'm going to be blatantly honest. and mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude. We're going to... Get through this quick. Okay, so I think, yes, we can soften that. Definitely not white. I don't think white will be best for this color. I think a very, very pale, grayy color would be a good place to start. I know that Sherman Williams have some really great ones like, what is it, Gossamer Veil, Agreeable Gray. Some of those, um, Colonnade Gray, are some really good pale ones. I think one of the biggest mistakes is with people who have smaller spaces, 
they tend to want to go everything white and almost minimalist. Um, I think that in a smaller space, you can fill that up a little bit more and keep the functionality and that look. Um, so I would go lighter on the walls and then the drapes definitely need to be fuller. Um, they look very dinky is the only way that I can describe them. Um, they need to be a little bit more fuller and I would definitely contrast that wall color with something that's a little bit darker. Um, she has her desk in this corner. To me, it feels very much like she is pushed herself in the corner because that's exactly where it is. For me, that would not make me feel very good to work at. Um, personally, I would not care for that. If it works for her, fine. What I would do is she has this kind of table that faces a window. Um, I would put the desk there. I mean, if she doesn't need a ton of like drawers and things, she can have a nice, almost clean writing desk and a chair because it looks like she only has, you know, maybe a lamp a laptop and an external screen, she might be able to tuck that in that space. And with the drapes behind it, she could open and close them if she needed different lighting. And if it was too bright, you know, just to adjust, at least you have a little bit better view. Um, yeah, her desk area is smaller than this console area, like spread out. Yeah, and enjoy. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah. I feel like that could just be utilized in a little bit different way. Mm -hmm. Then she could make that space where her desk is, like put something pretty in those windows with some lamps mm -hmm. on it or uh, an easel with art or. Yeah. She can just spruce up that space and then that kind of frees up and she might be able to adjust her, you know, sofa layout a little bit more. Cause with that desk being right there behind the sofa, it kind of limits that she can maybe pull her sofa away from that wall and maybe a teensy bit closer to the window to give it, that separation, because if you can remove a sofa from the wall, that's always the best way to do it. Um, so those would be kind of be suggestions for that side. I know she asked about a round or square table. Dining table. Mm -hmm. Do not get round. Okay. <laughs> do not get round. Round, I love round tables, but I find that they create a little bit of an awkward shape when it's a very linear, short space. Um, and it takes up so much room that they aren't functional. I definitely would say square or rectangle would be best in that space. What if she got a banquette to go with the table she's already got? Yeah, because like that table, I don't find any issues with it. I like it. It's got this bench with some, you know, industrial looking legs. The table's a good color. Yeah, a little banquette behind it might be something that's a little bit more Soften comfortable. Soften it a little yeah and then it's and that table and benches are against this sort of wall that juts out that right now is painted navy blue it looks like it maybe juts yeah. out 12 inches and she's wondering mm -hmm. how does she decorate that wall she wants to paint it to match the rest of the walls but what does she do i would paint it to match the rest of the walls large format art mm -hmm. and get a battery operated art light to swing over that um, Pretty. that's going to help that art light whenever I'm all about lighting plans. And I think that most people don't live with all their overhead lights on during the evening, having that little battery operated or plug in wall, um, art light will give a different layer of lighting. Um, that's what I would do to break that up. And these shelves that are next to that, it's hard to tell in the images 
how full they are. They don't look very full. I would. You mean probably, like filled with stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't look like they're really being used for like Utility. shoe storage or bags or things. Like they look a little bit on the emptier side. I might remove that and maybe consider doing a room divider. Like a little room divider that still lets light through. So visually you get a little bit of that separation of space without breaking it up too much. And that's interesting. So something that sits on the floor. Yeah, because they have the ones that sit on, sit on the floor. They're usually like 72 high, like maybe 40 or 60 wide. And um, and they just kind of help give that separation of space. I think when I like a really long linear loom, room, but I feel like it does sometimes feel like it's too long. And having that little room divider kind of have to give your eye multiple con like points of contact to give like a true depth to it. Right. So your eye sees the room divider and understands there's a depth there and then there's more space behind it. it. To me, it just feels a little bit more visually interesting. And then having that navy wall be neutral with a large art, something like that, just kind of creates a little bit more interest. And then she could scatter some larger art throughout that long wall over her sofa. Does she need another rug? To kind of um yes in the dining area she needs so. a rug no 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 rug okay. in the dining area that would feel very cluttered mm -hmm. but i would probably replace the rug that is um in the living room yeah i don't know if that large format print is really doing her justice and i think that kind of shaggy look may not be the right pile for the space maybe something a little bit lower pile okay so she doesn't need an additional rug she needs to switch out her no. current rug that's what i would do got it yeah because i feel like that size to the sofa like it doesn't complement the space in any way it's hard to tell the orientation of the way it is but i think moving that sofa and changing that rug out might be a little bit better and then for a coffee table it doesn't look like it's there's not a lot of stuff on it. I don't know if these drawers are functional or not, if they have things in them. If they don't, she could maybe look at incorporating three different size side tables or something just to kind of have like, you know, little drink stations that you could set on. In the center instead um, of a coffee table. Yeah. And that's really about functionality and how they live. If they find that they need to use that storage space, it might not Or if work. they eat on there, um, you know, if they're eating like their dinner yeah. from the television, you probably want to yeah, do something right. bigger like that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a form over function kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But those would be some big changes. I think new drapes, new paint, a little bit larger kind of art form. Um, and I'm like a huge proponent of painting art, right? I would suggest starting to invest in art as soon as you can. Um, there are a lot of artists on Cherish and Etsy that have well-priced art that are still originals. Um, if you don't want to go that route, there are plenty of stores that have frames that you can buy that are 60 by 72 or something and get a mop with some black paint and just slap that mop on that canvas <laughs> and then put it up there. And and then you have something that's a little bit more unique, right? And I, that quote I said, don't let it be Bed Bath & Beyond art. I think that this can, this quote can tie in well to this project to kind of get some things that are a little bit more unique. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah sounds good all right good um, luck elise yeah hopefully that answered all the questions i imagine that anyone who has a townhouse or lives in a townhouse faces challenges similar to this you know those yeah. long narrow rooms it's it's not easy mm -mm. Mm -mm. um 
but she does yeah. like I said, good start on that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think so. You know, chairs are always an option. Get lots of chairs. Lots of chairs. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, he has some in storage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they don't have a storage unit, just get some extra chairs. You can move them around. That's that's always a good way to go. Yeah, but hopefully we can give her a pretty good start to update this. And she has a really good starting point, I think, with just some little tweaks here and there would mm-hmm. make the space feel a lot more unified and cohesive. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, no um, Jacob, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work? that good stuff yeah so my website domain is my name so it's jacob-medina.com um and then everything else is going to be jacob medina interior design for pinterest facebook and instagram um tiktok will probably be coming soon as well as a little youtube channel Um, (laughs) so i'm branching out of my platforms this this year i love instagram i think it's very important i think i'm ready for a little bit more video interaction so i think that youtube and tiktok are going to be on my horizons so nice. things for 2021 yes goals yeah <laughs> and that's our show you can find all of the show notes on our blog how to decorate.com slash podcast to send in a decorating dilemma email your questions to podcast ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.